Those times when you you can't when you can't do it, rhetorical question. I'm sure, you will have those times when you can't when you can't do it. It's impossible to know how how to do it. Those times when you you can't do it, your mind just won't it won't hold. It won't focus. It won't. Uh, and or just uh, shivering with with uh, grief or worry or just churning up with doubt or squirming restlessly or flaming away in uh, pointless passions of greed or Hatred of some kind, aversion. Mm. You, you can't do it at all. So in those times, even just you say a word like mindfulness, and you, you go, "Oh no!" <laughs> or meditate. Oh. <laughs> so somebody starts talking about. <laughs> Anapanasati, oh, the ultimate, ultimate torment. You can have such a word brought into consciousness, let alone uh, cultivating refinement of attention between the moment of the fading of the out-breath to the first anticipation of the in-breath. And place your, place your attention at that point between the last sensation of the out-breath and the beginning of the mind's anticipation of the in-breath. Whoa! <laughs> can't do it at all, can't do it at all. Really. Sometimes you just can't hardly um, sit very long, it's wriggle, twitch. Can't walk up and down, mind buzzes off. Can't stand still. Eat and <laughs> sleep. <laughs> and do those things. And run away. <laughs> I think for all of us, there's, there's times sometimes when just you know something very powerful appears, and the mind just seems to shudder uncontrollably. Receive a letter. It's 
some worry comes into the mind or memory comes up on these retreats it's quite often it's like that you have a retreat and then the idea of retreat is of say progressive instructions in meditation and moving you know slowly perhaps but certainly logically forward step by step merrily along the way through birth destruction death and decay Yeah, of course, the experience of retreat, actually being a summoner, is a lot of it is not being able to do it. A good percentage of it is just that feeling of not, not being able to do it at all. Uh, feeling like a jerk, an idiot, or even a kind of liar just for being here. You feel like a, some kind of liar. So somebody starts looking at you as impeccable disciple of the big of the Buddha and you feel this kind of self loathing coming up in your mind. <laughs> now when you but the in terms of the whole idea of doing it of course is is a bit crude really. There are certain exercises and things that we we can attempt and we can accomplish on good days or in fortunate situations or when there's strength and skill. And yet, actually, for all of us, there's going to be that there's there's bound to be a percentage of not of not being able to. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any practice, would there? So there's, pra- there's practice which is practice when we can do it, and there's practice is practice when we can't do it. The practice of failure, or of that 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 feeling, or that interpretation of it. Now, mindfulness actually is we talk about it as perhaps having in three phases. There's the foundation which is very much like that's the activity, that's the bit you do is you make a foundation and then there's the um, and mindfulness as good so is itself is a is a is a kind of way of seeing things that's changing internally or externally it's in it's only interested in that in the process of of change of course you can't you know, when you say it's, int- it's only interesting change, you can't see change just without seeing something change from this to that. So, change is, you know, has to be connected to some particular object. So, certainly we're witnessing objects, and when we witness them go from high to low, or good to bad, or bad to good, or pleasant to unpleasant, or, you know, peaceful to agitated, or agitated to peaceful. So and naturally, there's going to be a certain amount of of, of interest in in it going to the positive, and, and unhappiness about it going to the negative. So, but the primary uh, function of mindfulness is is observing change, and then of course, you know we are, we're, we are not just 
mindful, but there's mindfulness plus other things, there's feelings and reactions and responses and perceptions occurring. So uh, mindfulness is often accompanied by other mental factors. Certain degrees of absorption, concentration, certain kind of energy, strong or weak, amount of faith, a certain amount of skillfulness, like a wholesome aspiration, and then whatever, you know, the rest of it. So, but the real working of mindfulness is just it's seeing things in this way. The rest of the ways of seeing things are perceptions, views, attitudes, um, and so on. Ways of other ways we see things, we interpret things. This means that, this means this, this means that. The achievement of mindfulness is that there's this, this passion about the interpretations that are made and dispassion about an increasing field of dispassion. So this sign of impermanence is that which leads to detachment and dispassion. And this very much dismantles the binding powers, the compulsions, the spasms, the urges, the the uh, success and failure, klaxons and sirens that go off in us that become ourself, you know, feeling of being good at it, not being good at it, and so on. With dispassion towards success and failure because they change, and mindfulness also in practice does a you get you know, it's a there's a practice which has just grown, grown weary of this, these silly little achievements and, <laughs> and these uh, making big things out of, out of mistakes. You know, the dispassion is like this quality also associated with nipita, which means it's not, it's not interested in making more out of it. You know, whereas, so the, 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 the is kind of weary of achievement and of the of the feeling of having got this and going there and it's kind of like boy scout mentality which you get get weary of can't get excited about achieving or that kind of bothered about not achieving this is this is the quality of of mindfulness of awareness because one of the ways in which mindfulness finds a foundation is a foundation in citta foundation of mindfulness is citta so citta is the this sensitivity 
resonances of, of mind. Now what we, so this is a way that mindfulness finds itself finds itself working or an area that it works in. So sometimes the one of the, the overdoing it of meditation is we, we see these things very much as like now I you know, do mindfulness of body, now I do mindfulness of the mind, now I do mindfulness of you know, like it's activities. When really what else is there to be mindful of? It's like just recognizing what there is, what the foundation is. There's a kind of inclination, there's an intention, there's that way in which we, we kind of angle in and we intend, but it's not, not something you're doing in such, a, in such a heavy way. So if we're just recognizing, recollecting our own body, taking an interest in it, the feelings in it, or how it functions in itself, in and of itself, mindfulness of the body in the body that is this expression it means we're not being mindful of the body in terms of this is my body how's it feeling or the various perceptions that that, that give rise to the notion of the body as, as, as the visual experience of the body which is just one way of one notion of it but the Body in the body is what? Mindfulness of the body in the body is. What is it? Moment by moment it's changing. It can be moist or dry, warm or cold, big or small, still or churning, low, strong, vital, vibrant, weak, flaccid. You know, what? but then it's not succeeding or failing it's just because that that's the body doesn't do that it's only the mind creates those attitudes these are perceptions that get placed onto it the body isn't like that it doesn't know about birth and death it's just changing directly it's like that There's no value, no meaning. Those are constructions. Okay. So, if you if you're inclined towards witnessing the body in the body, you begin to get a, you know, feeling for what, you know, what that really means. And how it's quite possible to be to feel one is being mindful of the body, in a sense of now I'm doing it. Now I move my attention up and down my arms. You know, what arm? <laughs> uh, you know, that, the arm is an idea in the mind, isn't it? it depends how you take these things. Obviously, you've got to call it something, but. But it's recognizing how we're so often we're actually mindful of an eye and a perception of the body as a kind of whole entity 
that I am and walk around with. Now, taking an interest or in turning towards what we call mind, mindfulness of the citta in and of itself. And this foundation, you're referring not to the, not to the thinking processes, but to the particular resonances they set up. So if you notice when the Buddha talks about the mindfulness of the citta, he talks about things like the constricted mind, the bright mind, the mind that's liberated, meaning it feels boundless and bright, or the the doubting mind. He's talking about not, you know, kind of like a different thing than than just the, the thinking, but it's not... It's, it's the results of the thinking. It's the shuddering and shaking. It's the calming and the soothing. These are, these are like the resonances of mind consciousness, the traces of it, the ways the citta vibrates that we're aware of. And so in that, there's no, there's no success. There's, not, there's no success or failure in that. Because that's an that's a idea of thought. That's an idea of the constructions of the mind. You're just looking at the raw mood of it, just the vibration of it, as it is. Not what we interpret those as being. And sometimes when you can't do it, it's because one is trying to do the wrong thing. We're not actually witnessing the citta. We're trying to witness the mind as myself. That is, be this way and not be that way. Or we look at it through certain, in certain values. Like I want my mind, this is my mind is misbehaving. I'm watching my mind, my mind is in a bad state. Or it's doing very well. It's really clear and bright now. You know, it's going this way or that way. Then we, so this is how we build up the ideas of succeeding and failing. But referring to the citta in and of itself, it's just like a way of not really doing anything at all, actually. Just of just knowing and noticing. Now that is the establishment of the foundation. It's just that much. It's not really that that much of an activity. It's a subtle kind of recognition. It's just drawing a line around it, just saying this, so that. And the Buddha says, just to the extent to which there's awareness and comprehension, jitta in the jitta in and of itself. So mindfulness has got a kind of 
it's very direct, like a, a non-dualist experience. That is, it's not referring to the way it could be or should be. And sometimes it's just like, you know, you're just with the movement and witnessing the, the patterns that come out of that, the, the moods that it brings up, the clutching, the trying to organize it, dispel it, do something else, the patterns it takes, the, sh- the thoughts it brings up, the moods it brings up. But just going back, and continually back just to the, to, the, to the movement, the vibration itself, is that which, like any vibration, it's a matter of pulse, arising and ceasing. And it often goes in waves. You get kind of like a wave of some kind of panic. Tremp rushes up and then it sinks down again. And there's a sort of uneasy moving around and another burst. Rather like the sobbing of a child or laughter, which comes in kind of waves. Kind of bursts of it and it dies down and it, it sort of you're kind of giggling it kind of goes into this sort of latent state and then it bursts out again or when you're sobbing it can be like that you go to kind of it works up and then it goes it goes down to just the kind of few heaves and then it, <laughs> it all goes over again like that and so that you witness the mind is just like that kind of sobbing or laughing or but then you're witnessing the, the, the movement, the arising and the ceasing, the flaring up and the dying down. Even if it doesn't go completely to utter stillness, just that it, it's going down, it's quieting down, and then it rises up again. Or the bursts of when you're preoccupied with you, thinking about the building projects or whatever. And you're starting ordering the nails and the, how many we need for this and the roof tiles and the slats and the, and the insulation and you kind of burst up to a frenzy we need this person and that person I'll phone him tomorrow and so on and so on so. and it kind of <coughs> sinks down and goes into a sort of quiet state for a moment but then on the other hand what you could do is oh yeah that's a good idea and rises up again now we can, if we just, why is mindfulness of jitta rather than mindfulness of vijnana? It's not mindfulness of consciousness or mindfulness of mano. Because you can actually, those are difficult, you can't really be mindful around that. Because consciousness is just uh, a connection. To f- you know, we recognize this is mind consciousness. And you know, it's, we can, as something that rises and ceases, it only you can see it rising and, and ceasing. Say, when there's a when it's when it's um, calm, when there's strong, when the mind is calm. Concentration. 
but you can watch the the chitta moving. You can know it. You'd be with the endings. It's very important with these things not to have to find answers because answers just stimulate again. We come to conclusions. We think we can't. We draw conclusions. Oh, I say, I can't do this at all. You know, that's an answer, isn't it? That's a conclusion, and that means we. We're, all we're doing is trying to stop the, the jitta from moving. So we first we go to trying to trying to hold it down. We can't do that. So we think we then we think well, I'll just give up altogether. Maybe that will stop it. Get out of that uneasy position. But you don't need to do that because those don't work. Because you can't give up and you can't succeed. But you can watch, you can recognize the cessation. If you keep going just to the movement of the mind rather than the objects of it. This may, when you're thinking about it, may seem just um, very much like a second, second-rate thing for people who can't really meditate to give them something to feel they they can occupy their time with. But actually, it's it's very deepening because um, you know the mind may not actually be doing anything that that ghastly, but just kind of mildly trilling away, trilling and warbling, or gen- gently ululating and, and, uh, and sort of crooning. It could be quite pleasant little ripples in it. It doesn't have to be you know, ghastly traumas. It is the, even a pleasant shivering and delight that we may experience uh, in pity and joy and so on. Just go to the movement of the chitta, whether it's unpleasant or coarse, sweet or sour. It's very deepening. It's deepening because it takes us out of the creations of consciousness. That is, we see things just, we experience it just as movement rather than as good or bad or meaningful or, or, or meaningless. Mm. You're not interested in ideas of success and failure, but only in change. So it takes us out of 
the creations of consciousness, of mind consciousness. It's its, tri- its tricks and its delights and its dramas and its tragedies and its uh, importance, its tremendous self-importance in mind consciousness over what is just movement, really. Just the wind blowing. Sometimes the you know, agitation of your mind is just the food you've had. Stirring up energy in your system. And you haven't eaten anything for a while. Sometimes your mind calms down. That's why one of the reasons why we have this training rule to not eat in the evening, just so that it, it, it creates more calm. We're supposed to. But of course, it depends whether you've just pigged yourself out at 11 o'clock. <laughs> Or you had something bad, you know. Or, or but it's the, it's it's the recognition of how we're connected to the, the physiology of the body. Or if it's sick, you know, you have illnesses. How sometimes the seething and the restlessness of the mind is just stomach upset, illness, sickness. And yet, once we go to the creations, then and we get lost in those, then it's these, my goodness, I think these terrible thoughts, have these funny feelings, uh, like this and like that. And and you don't get to the root of it. You don't get to the end of it. And you go to that point, all that ever happens is more and more creation. Creation and suppression. But no cessation. Cessation of consciousness occurs through going to the chitta. And sometimes it's because of the impossibility of consciousness. It's impossible waywardness that we're kind of forced, in a way, to go back to the jitta, just to the to the heart of the matter, because consciousness is just just too too outrageous to abide in. And so this is a, is a mindfulness. mindfulness of chitta is an extremely skillful dhamma. It is a dhamma. It's something we have to open to. We have to let go a lot of into it because the world of myself is very much these objects of the mind. My thoughts and my feelings, and my memories and ideas and values and beliefs. So it's just to, to let go of the importance of those and uh, taking issue with them in meditation. And you're just going back to it as, as just movement. Movement. And then where is that movement? If you actually experience the movement, then there's a, an ending of self. Because the self is the result of the movement. So in that attention just to chitta, 
it's a strange world it's the world of the, of the stranger and there's a an ending of that mind making of course um, because we're so hooked on to certainties and statements and answers and conclusions and establishment and, and you know all these very static fixed things and being in control of it and knowing what I'm doing and even if all I can know is that I'm useless just just having some kind of known statement about myself and so hooked on it that uh, mindfulness of the chitta is perhaps kind of something that is rather rare to, to do as we keep moving back into into the objects so you know, our lives as summoners is, is like the feeling of the, the you know the allowing and the allowing of all these different different people and the karmic states we go through you know, that that humility and that honesty and that compassion in that sense, the devotion in which we are, we're we're going back to the we're opening to the Dhamma, rather than becoming something. When we're trying to see these experiences in the way of the Dhamma, which means we we receive them. We don't go out and create and make and have and hold and find and discover and become. We receive. We receive the way it is, with its messages, and we learn to keep the hand very open that's doing the receiving. Until you know, an open hand has, is empty. So you often find, and it can be actually through, the, sometimes through the, the darkness of the mind, that you come to the to emptiness, to a to real openness and presence, rather than the, the striving and the holding and the defending and the accumulating. Just that, the emptying. And the emptying is very. You realise in the in the emptiness, there's something very peaceful about that. Very, uh, very real, very un, un, uncontrived, and really, really real and, and peaceful. It's something that, and you can see, it's very, very immediate. All the the creations of the mind are one step away from now, from the here and now. And when we even you know, even think of cessation, we always tend to see it as something just related to time, you know, the time when things will stop or have stopped. But it's also like a place, you know, the the place where it stops, and it, it stops 
in the close in the closest part of your awareness, the most inner core. And then at that place of stopping, the inner core of your awareness, there's a recognition of it. it's like really being at the in the center. And outside around it, the wind is blowing, just like around this building. You can hear it. It's moving. It's shifting. But you're here. You're not out there. You can hear it out there, but you're not out there. This is the place of cessation. And for that, the wind doesn't have to stop blowing. Because the wind is only about the world of creation, birth, change, and death. All things feed into this place. We see things through the eye, and there's a kind of flash, trembling. Mind moves. We hear things through the ear. There's a kind of rush and a pull and a tension feel things in the body, is that moving around there, a kind of natural sensitivity. But if we come back to that, knowing that, rather than the, the whys and the hows, we find the place of stillness, which is in the center of all this movement. This is a the realization through mindfulness. Its peace is that we don't have to stop anything or start anything, hold anything, make anything, or destroy anything. Uh, practice or meditation exercises are rather like um, like almost like celebrations. Something you know you can just bring around as occasions. It's just something to do from that place of cessation, not because there's a, a real need to, but just because it's you know there's nothing wrong with activity. When it's, when it's free of compulsion, 
So you may probably think, well, why bother to do anything at all? Why bother to meditate? But meditation is not, it's not a, it's, it's not a kind of a reason, it's, it's a dhamma. If you don't meditate, what will you do? You think, probably. Think, eat, sleep, you know. So meditation is rather like that. You're going to breathe, so you might as well, <laughs> you can <laughs> bring your attention onto it, since it's going to happen anyway. But it's not because you, you're kind of searching for something in it, or trying to make it work, or but because it's what's happening. We have this life force, this form, this body. So you, you know you can actually bring your attention around to these things, more like the way that you visit friends, because they're there, and that's we are using this, and we can develop skills within it, which are helpful and beautiful, beautiful occasions for us. But I think, you know, get a feeling for right, the right effort, what mindfulness is. Actually, it's the amount of doingness in mindfulness. It's, it's like a bridgehead between the sense of the sankara of self, you know, which is my activity, and world of Dhamma, which is the way it is, and mindfulness is the, is the bridge. And so, but then our activity is just this foundation, founding. It's like a statement. It's, it's a body. It's this. And then it's just the body. It's not my body or, you know, the body seen as body. That's its foundation. That, that's that's the that's the activity that we do, and then this transformation to actually see a, a body in and of itself, rather than from some attitude or view. That's the opening into dhamma, and then we're allowing that realization to have its own its own way, its own. Uh, manifestation, if you like, and then it kind of it happens, and it, and it happens with its own kind of time or mode, modality, and realization. And sometimes that just gets clogged up by our tremendous instinct to take charge of it all. And do it, keep doing it. It's like you know, getting on the bus and then running up and down inside it. Like you, 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 know, you run after the bus and get on the bus, and instead of sitting down, you continue running up and down inside it to make sure it keeps going. Because <laughs> you know, it's true, you needed to run to get on it, but you just, you know, it's just sitting down and, uh, and abiding. And recognizing. Do the process of anapanasati.
meditation practices, you've just got to uh, work from where you are in your in yourself, what kind of state of mind you're in, where you, what kind of how strong the support faculties are, whether there's energy or faith, mindfulness, concentration, discernment. And uh, in the various things, ways we can practice in a monastery to do a retreat, can be to, to strengthen those faculties and look at particular ones that need strengthening. Say persistent effort, energy, or the sharpness and reflectiveness of, of wisdom, panya, the unbiased awareness of mindfulness connecting to your body or to the mind as it is. Anapanasati is a is the word suggests is about the mindfulness practice, so it's connecting with breathing in and out as it is. And one of the difficulties of it is that most of us don't live with the way it is. We live according to what we think or feel or imagine or caught up with moods, opinions, views, attitudes, compulsions, energies, drives, and so on. Which you can say are all part of the way it is, and yet, uh, and so they don't they don't really allow you to be very mindful of the breath. You can be mindful of those. You can kind of practice with those, and you can sometimes you can use the breath just as, a, as something to put effort into practice in order just to to stem these things, check them. You can use it as something that you go to repeatedly, occasionally, periods of time to to be able to get some perspective on what the mind is doing, on the way, you know, the distractions and the the, uh, energies and attitudes of the mind. The breath is a constant thing, something that's there throughout a lifespan. In any, any moment of the day, breathing in and breathing out. So it's a kind of continual, continual reference. Whether it's a good day or bad day, whether you're liked or not liked, whether you're being this is a life for you, or it's a complete waste of time, you're still breathing in and breathing out. So it helps you to get some position to look at these moods and energies that otherwise are so compulsive, and so it draws in. We either end up fighting with them or believing in them, or getting, creating more moods and attitudes around them. So. One of the purposes of anapanasati is to is to stop or check the proliferations, mental proliferations, 
just by being able to see them as that. We can just do that much, to know that there's something other than just the thinking mind. And the breath today is very much like the breath was yesterday. Whatever perception or view we have, the breath is still happening. So it's a, it's a good, because most of the time we, we think we're, we're going forward in time, we're progressing or degenerating or not moving fast enough or moving too fast or too slow or the wrong direction or backwards or forwards and you know we're actually, in terms of breathing, you're still breathing in and breathing out and it's not forwards or backwards or progressing or degenerating. Even when you're dying, you're breathing in and breathing out. When it stops, you don't have to worry about it anymore. So it just goes on like that. And it's a very helpful thing to just keep being able to come back to. And so it's one of the functions of it, because it's, it's a kind of unbiased thing. It doesn't, you don't kind of have three three and a half in-breath and an out-breath or a kind of curly curly in-breath and a stop the out-breathing for a while and then you know, it's always one breath in and one breath out so if we're, if we're looking at mindfulness it's just, it's just like it's just that much the fact that it's an in-breath or an out-breath you know, it changes You know, this is a practice of Dhamma, so because it's a practice of Dhamma, then it has its own requirements and, and seeming frustrations because you can't really do it from the point of view of the self. As soon as you start to, I'm going to do it, I can't do it, I need to do it, how do I do it? I'm going to get this out of it, I'm going to make it like this, I'm really going to get on with it, I'm not, you know, all these I am's get involved with it, then it always ends up repressive or strained or congested and it actually you know the whole thing gets very painful and confusing so of course this is why sometimes you can't you really just can't do it you know to get to be able to actually witness something as it is and learn to open up to Dhamma you can do that, then you can probably get, you know, some reasonable mindfulness of the breath. So when you do a meditation retreat, so often the mindfulness of breathing is something that's got a you know, agenda around it, or a feeling that, you know, you go through this stage, or it gets very much caught up with ambitions and notions and so it uh, you know, yeah, that, that contaminates it with projecting our wishes onto it our requirements or our hopes or our despairs or our views on it but actually the body breathes in
the body breathes out. So to, to open to it, so first of all they have to receive the breath rather than do it. It's something that happens naturally. So first practice of Dhamma, first way to practice Dhamma is first we have to receive it. Remember this in anything you do, you can't do it. You first of all make yourself available for it. We all have bodies with at least one lung in them. (laughs) So that seemed to keep doing it, so actually just this receiving one's own body. And uh, perhaps that is that can be difficult for people just to actually recognize and really be fully conscious of a body rather than the brain and the ideas and the well there's either complete absence of body or tremendous amount of impositions onto the body. So maybe the first place we have to we can allow ourselves to open to is the breathing out because the breathing out is a sign of letting go, relaxing you know, it's a kind of like bowing when we bow to the shrine it's got the same it's got the same mood to it one of it's kind of submitting to opening up to just allowing something to happen and you allow in the out breath so it's you can do when you have a you have emotional passions and things going on and just being able to breathe out it's got its effect because the mind then attunes to that to that, that suggestion breathing out, letting go the body relaxes with it So to practice <coughs> Anapanasati, it's, it's opening up to the body, and then what's it like, what is the, the, the body as it is? Not I am breathing, but just what is involved with, what gives one the feeling that there is such a thing as breathing. How do we, we recognise that we're breathing? <coughs> you feel certain sensations in your chest, in your abdomen, movements happening there you might feel a mild rushing of air through the nostrils and probably you get you feel energies go to a through a regular pattern when you breathe in it's kind of it's energy goes up when you breathe out, energy tends to fade. So you have this, you've got a kind of fundamental recognition of just what's happening when, you, when we breathe. And if you breathe deeply, breathe in fully, slowly, deeply, and then breathe out completely. And, let, and so you, you can recognize these things, see what happens to a body in breathing.
So this is a, just looking at it as a physical function and beginning to get in touch with just the, the physical, physiological effects of it. stopping of the breath when it comes to its conclusion in, in, in its phase and you you do this then you probably you start off with just the, uh, the, the exhalation or the end of the exhalation the beginning of the inhalation the moments patches of it like points and then the attention will tend to pick up shift off to something else we'll think drift get drowsy or just, or maybe attention is kind of caught up with particular sounds or thoughts coming to the mind, urgent ideas compressing. With mindfulness, it's the recognition of that occurring, and then that is that's something that's just the way it is. It's happening. It's the vipaka. It's the result. So you always witness the result and then mindfulness is dispassionate so it doesn't make anything out of that result apart from recognizing so because of that there's no further karma being created the mind doesn't kind of flounder or splutter or or get irritated or so then that is the ending of that that brings around the ending of that particular mental chain of events. Then you just stop and leave, leave retention there at the ending and see what comes up. If we let go of the mind, and you can feel the breath because the breath continues whether the mind state is finished or not. So then there's an awareness of a, of a breath, the movement of the breath, and you can recognize that. Notice it moving through the body. The energy changes. And then the um, cultivation of it is first of all is getting so you can sit with using it and and responding to it in the way of sitting we sit in a way where we can more fully attune to that so that the shoulders are relaxed and there's a, this balance between effort and relaxation 
Whereas the back is is upright and it's balanced so it's not being pulled and twisted in different directions. Your spine is upright and your head is upright. Then you don't get various pressures in your body and tensions that uh, pull it around. And because the sitting, when you're sitting upright, the breath becomes stronger because the whole weight of the ribs and the upper portion of the chest is in resting on the abdomen, on the diaphragm. So the, the breath pushes harder to come in, and when it goes out, this whole weight of the top of the body sinks down. So you get a much stronger, stronger sign when you. If you're using the bodily posture, and then in terms of making your mind open to it, then it's to keep putting uh, putting aside other considerations, and also to notice in that awareness of the breath what else is coming in. Whether you feel tense, whether there's bodily tension, your shoulders or your neck. whether the breath is in fact fully being allowed to flow through the body or whether it's being held in by the throat, held in in the stomach, held in by bodily tension. So just trying to relax into the breathing. And it may be necessary to just even kind of uh, work with it, like fully make the intention to fully, fully breathe out something you do deliberately. qualities of Panya which are necessary for meditation is uh, this wise reflection on on practice of Anapanasati it's a suitable time or a suitable place for it that is the it's a place where you you, you know it's quiet you can actually function you can actually focus on it and it's not, you haven't got anything else to do. And then the investigation into the mind states, Dhamma Vijaya, that may be helpful or unhelpful for it. And if you consider it as a, as a Dhamma practice, then you recognize that you get familiar with the kind of mind states, the patterns, the self states that confuse every form of meditation and it will always confuse Anapanasati. This is the impatience on one hand, where we're kind of trying to make it get going on it, be short with it, not really very uh, open to it, indifference or dullness. So wisdom also is discernment, just if your mind is, is dull, then to sharpen the focus. 
and making one point very strong breathing out or the ending of an exhalation the ending of an inhalation something you you put all your attention into just making points strong in your body bodily experience is a, is a, is a clear one the way that we sit uh, sitting in a sitting posture the breathing the opening your eyes moving backwards moving your attention around so if your if your uh, attention is fuzzy, then you make the anapanasati something that's not subtle and tranquil, but something that's very obvious, like the whole body moving, moving in the in the abdomen, sustaining the breath, checking the breath, getting the mind to cooperate with it and recognize it. Um, Vitaka Vichara, which is another aspect of the wisdom faculties, is the pinning the mind or focusing the mind and then reading or evaluating. This helps to get the mind to cooperate and get involved with Anapanasati rather than either be just suppressed or distracted. So if we just kind of suppress the thinking mind, then it tends to burst out into other directions or we get dull. But to make the mind consider, to, to listen to the breath, the fullness of it, the, whether it's long or short, what's happening, how it works, so you get it, you get involved with it, and this is uh, this is how the wisdom sharpens it, works with it, and actually helps to be conducive to more, more energy, more, uh, more concentration in the practice. Mindfulness involves that ability to keep recollecting in terms of breathing in, breathing out, the points in the body, the nostrils, the the chest, the abdomen, just recognizing where it is and where you can pick it up, which is most suitable, which gives you the best um, position for this particular moment or time. And then the change, the, to just be aware of the, the sensations changing. So once you've established a particular point that you can refer to, you've made that as the foundation for mindfulness, the, the placing of mindfulness, and the activity of mindfulness is to recognize change. So mindfulness as a foundation, when it's founded, then it has a, an activity which is to contemplate change when it has a proper foundation and uh, a proper activity it has a proper fruit the fruit is calm 
and detachment, dispassion. And these bring around uh, um, samadhi or right concentration. First of all, the foundation, making the getting the foundation, then cultivating the activity, working with the activity, then recognizing the fruits or the results in the heart. the rhythm and the steadiness, smoothing, calming the bodily energies from the soles of the feet, the legs, the trunk of the body, the arms, the hands, it's this whole, feel the influence of the breath, it's this vitalizing influence. Sweeping back up and down steadily, bring it into mind as a the way it is. It calms. You don't try to be calm. It just it itself has this quality. To enable it to work and to be aware of bodily energy that which occurs to us which arises in consciousness the tingling, the pulsing the twinging whatever it is and then the rhythm of the breath point by point steadily moving
noticing what uh, gives rise to the impression of body. energy or the feelings is it large or small heavy or light dull or vibrating Painful, pleasant. Just if, for example, if you move your attention around the chest, the experience of body is different. What's it like there? Breath in the chest is just ex- expanding and contracting, not rising and falling. sense of expansion nostrils bring your attention to where that that sensation continual theme of all of it is of repeated beginnings and ceasing endings always has that pattern the mind attunes to this in the experience of dispassion of ease the breaking up of the congestions the impatience 